Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America, and on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about growing your brand strategically. We're chatting with Brianna Regine Walston, an award-winning brand growth strategist, the host of the Brand Unveiled podcast, and the founder and CEO of Brianna Regine Visionary Consulting. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Brianna, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I'm happy to be here. You're an expert at helping companies tell their stories, but I'm dying to hear your story. What got you into PR and marketing in the first place? And why did you choose to start your own business? Yeah. So my journey started, I feel very similar to other folks who are in marketing and comms where you, you know, are placed in different uh, job environments, not realizing that you're doing branding or marketing or public relations. And so prior to starting my own agency, that literally was my resume. I did retail. I was a nanny and babysitter. I was a marketing administrative assistant and dance teacher. I worked for other startups. I freelanced on the side. I was in corporate a little bit. Like I basically acquired so many transferable skills that allowed me to figure out what made me special. And that's really uh, identifying, you know, how to turn an idea into something that's tangible uh, and finding the strategy to do so. I, I don't take no for an answer. And so prior to starting my own agency, I was working at a PR agency. I was an intern on paper, but really I was an account coordinator. Um, and I, I say that because I just gravitated towards the work they liked me, so they gave me work to do. And I was with them for about a year. It was my senior year of college at University of Connecticut. And a few months prior to graduation, I was just like, mm, something in my gut is telling me I could, I could do this on my own. Like I could be a part of telling the stories of other brands or making their visions possible. And so shout out to my mom and my dad. I, I told them the idea and they were like, okay, you have one year and I'm six years in. So it really was a feeling in my gut that now I, I say it's God, but yeah, that, that's how it got started. It was very crazy. It was just like one day I woke up and I was like, yeah, you should go be that girl. And now here I am. <laughs> Double shout out to your mom and your dad, because we love to hear stories of parents who not only support their kids' vision and dream, but support entrepreneurship. Like that is so um, amazing of a story. So many times you hear people knew what they wanted to do early, but they waited, they did some other things first. They didn't think right out of college that they could be their own boss. And so, you know, I love that you you decided to go for it. Yeah, yeah. And it really wasn't, um, I always like to say like my leap of faith was different everyone's doesn't have to look like mine because ever since I was in eighth grade, I thought I was going to be in, in the entertainment industry. And technically I am, I'm adjacent <laughs> through PR and brand growth strategy and marketing. Um, but I thought I was going to be an artist and an entertainer. So kind of since eighth grade, I knew my trajectory and what I wanted for myself. I just didn't know it was going to be my own thing. So 
please just listen to your gut. And just because my leap of faith looked how it looked doesn't mean that yours has to look that way. I think it's important to always say that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, you're six years in, you've grown this to a six-figure business. What are some of the strategies that you've personally employed as the CEO to achieve this success? Yeah. The first thing is being intentional. I find that as a Black woman entrepreneur, there's a lot of noise, particularly for us. Like It requires a certain level of level-headedness to stay in tune with who you are as a person in every truth that you have, that you experience. Um, instead of, you know, falling to what seems to be working for, for everyone else. Um, and I didn't always get it right from the jump. Someone could say, Hey, I mean, you had the feeling in your gut and you went for it. Yes, I did. But you know, the past six years haven't been super seamless to the point where, you know, I haven't, uh, questioned myself or, you know, been like, no, I'm not going to do that because this person's not doing it. You know, um, we all have those experiences. So the very first thing is being intentional and embracing uh, sort of that level of intentionality where you are who you are. And that's why you get the clients that you do. That's why you get the team members that you do. That's why you get opportunities like this, because by being yourself, you attract that. So that was probably um, not a strategy I realized at first but definitely one that I would uh, recommend now. I think as far as technical strategy goes, uh, planning is everything, um, hence strategy. <laughs> but, but, but it's true though, right? Like a plan is only meant to guide you though. And it took me a while to learn that too, because I would have moments where I'm like, oh, it's not going to plan. Like I'm a failure. I'm not doing this right. Am I behind? But really a plan is just your ideas dumped out where you can see them and a place where you can hold yourself accountable. So planning is everything. And now shout out to my client um, who we've interviewed uh, in the past, Black Enterprise has interviewed in the past. Um, she's all for smart goaling, all for smart goaling. Um, and now that's what I do. And I realized that's what I was doing. I just didn't realize that that was the methodology that was at play. Um, but smart goaling and planning, absolutely important. And then from a marketing perspective, um, it's very saturated right now. Like, it seems like I should do this tactic and that one and that one. I got to be on LinkedIn. I got to be on Twitter. I got like, it's a lot going on. Uh, the main thing that I would encourage folks to do is find your voice, find your comfort zone and uh, exercise that on the platform that you feel most comfortable doing that instead of trying to juggle all things at one time. And um, I'm able to say those strategies and like how I approached um, building my company today, but it took time for me to be able to figure out what is my secret sauce? What is my recipe? You know, so give yourself grace. That's not a tangible strategy, but it's definitely on the list of things. Give, give yourself grace because it's not easy. 
I, I think it absolutely is a tangible strategy as someone who's a little further down the road than you are in life. Like that is something that I wish that I had employed as a strategy earlier. Now I'm like, hmm, you know, you got to give yourself grace first before you expect the, the universe, the world, your coworkers, clients, anyone to do it for you. And so that absolutely is a strategy. Um, but I want to go back to something that you said, because there may be some people out there who aren't familiar with SMART goals. Um, so can you just break that down for them? Yeah. So this is something that does not belong to me. It does not belong to my client. It's something that is Googleable. Um, but basically it is a methodology that is an acronym. So S stands for specific, M stands for measurable, A stands for attainable or achievable, R stands for relevant or realistic, depending where you look. Um, and the T stands for timely. And it's just a way for you to get really clear on the objectives that you're setting for yourself or your company. I recommend it to my mentees who are in college as well. Like it is a methodology for you to be able to pull from. So that way it's not a, okay, I want to reach uh, six figures in my lifetime. Okay. Well, how are you actually going to do that? I want to reach six figures by December 31st, 2023. So I'm going to work backwards now. How am I going to measure that? Well, I have to reach out to X amount of clients a week and then measure the progression of that. And is it attainable? Do I have the systems already set up? Do I have to get new systems? Do I have the resources? Like it just allows you to dig deeper into what it is that you're really trying to accomplish. And it works. It does. <laughs> When we talk about brand growth, um, what exactly do we mean? Because it is about revenue, but it's about more than revenue, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I define brand growth as uh, marketing, communication, and operations management strategies that position brands for awareness, credibility, revenue, and scalability. And that's why my company is set up in the way that it is, because in the same way that you have to prioritize strategy and implementation for the public to see, like how you want the consumer to feel about your brand and impacting their buyer behaviors and, you know, controlling your narrative from a public standpoint on the back end, which is the stuff that some people just don't like to do. You have to nurture that space, too. And it's really the operations management on the back end and the creative strategy on the front end that builds a brand for success. And again, I wasn't describing myself as a brand growth strategist on day one. I was throwing stuff out there. I was like, I'm a brand strategist. I'm a publicist. Like I was playing around to see what folks were receptive to. And it's now that I'm like, no, it's brand growth strategy. And then I explain it um, to individuals, but we all need it. We all do it to some capacity. It's not a fancy phrase. It's just the easiest way for me to deliver my elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and an important um, thing because, you know, people get the whole like brand awareness. I think they get brand credibility. I don't think they understand that, you know, like you said, the external and the internal back end are linked and that that really does affect um, not just revenues, but scalability. So Absolutely. I want to dive into some of the, you know, actual things you consult on brand development, social and digital strategy, public relations, project management, and team development. When you sit down with a new client, what are some of the first things you review with them to create a growth strategy? That's a great question because every client is different, but 
despite their difference, they all sort of experience the same thing, regardless in their, if they're in entertainment, their municipality, startup, nonprofit lifestyle. Um, the main thing to get like a brand growth strategy going is figuring out what their priorities are. Like, what do you want to achieve? And once they start to riddle that off to me, it gives me the boost to hold them accountable, right? And then I go, well, what's stopping you? What have, what have you done already? What haven't you done? And then I start to pull back the layers and it becomes um, a chance for me to really engage with my human-centered approach because I understand that whether you're an entrepreneur or you work in a municipality or a corporation and you're a team of two or four, um, the work that you're doing, it challenges you as an individual as much as the growth that you make as an individual will impact your work. Right. And so in those conversations, I'm able to sort of synthesize and filter out, okay, this is what they're telling me technically, but I could speak to really some of the intangible, maybe emotions or mindset shifts that need to happen or that will be required in order for the technical creative strategy or operations management to even make sense. Because sometimes it's a, I want to get there but I just don't feel like doing it. Okay, great. Like, let's get you to a point of saying you don't feel like doing it instead of making all these different excuses or it's, it's a plethora of things, right? Um, but really identifying priorities. What, the, what have they done? What haven't they done? Um, and then making them feel confident about making it a reality. Like, if this is what you want to happen, this is the strategy that's required in order for it to be done. So some clients, they're PR ready. Right. So it's just a matter of, OK, well, we'll do an audit. We'll do market research. We come up with a plan. We go to the field and we implement the plan. Some folks, it's like, OK, not suave. Let, let's relax. Like, <laughs> let, let's pump your brakes. OK, we have to massage your messaging a little bit more, you know, up, uh, update your identity features. You know, your website's kind of let, let's massage that a bit um, for operations folks. Sometimes they're doing a lot of manual stuff. And it's causing them to lose money or not reach that level of scalability that they want at a quicker rate. So it's figuring out, okay, what have you been doing so far from a process standpoint? And where is it that you're trying to go? Usually ops is more tied to a monetary goal of some kind, um, or at least a, a quantitative goal of some kind. Um, so it's easier to identify what the bottlenecks are and then say, okay, well, this system needs to be created for that, which means... You no longer are doing this, 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 and this. And that's a learning curve too. So it it really depends on the client and the need, but they all start from the same spot of figuring out what their emotional pain points are and speaking to those and then making them see, hey, I'm your saving grace. My team and I, we got you. So <laughs> yeah. As someone who works with so many um, businesses and mentors so many businesses, what are some of the most common things you see that prevent brands from getting to the next level? For entrepreneurs, it's getting inside of their own head. Like a lot of them are hesitant to put themselves out there mm -hmm. and probably even more so they don't know how because Google's telling you all of this and the person you're following is telling you all of that. Like it's just a lot to digest and figure out what's your routine, what's your rhythm. And then for the decision makers who are more so in the municipal space or um, in companies that it's not just them, they just want to outsource. Like, this is my goal. 
boss is on my butt. <laughs> this is what I need, right? Um, so it you know it really depends on who I'm who I'm speaking to, but there always is that that consistent pattern of what do I do next? Like I I know it's possible, but what do I do next? Like how do I do it? And that's where we come in. I, I realize that that's our sweet spot. And making it as simple as that. That is the common question among all of our folks that we serve. What do I do next? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I mean, to the things that prevent them, you've got lots of uh, things that can propel a business forward. One of the resources on your site is a free brand growth checklist with a list of recommended tasks. What is one small and easy step that any business owner can take today to position themselves for growth? Mm. How long we have? (laughs) As long as you want. The information is important. They will listen. That's funny. Um, Now more than ever, I would say know who you're talking to. And not only know who you're talking to, but know how they like to receive information. That answer will clear up a lot of the confusion or sort of mystified stuff that's in your head about, well, which social media platform do I use? How many times do I send a newsletter? Do I do text marketing? If you know who exactly it is that you're talking to and how they like to receive information, then it becomes um, easier. No, effective. Let's use that E word. It becomes more effective um, for you to basically respond to what your consumer wants. Um, I was guilty of it when I first started, I felt like I had to be everywhere. And there are some people that still believe that. And look, if you have the bandwidth to be everywhere at all places, at all times, do it. Because I also believe that your target audience does exist in numerous, numerous spots. But if you are tight on bandwidth and you're tight on resources, really hone in to where the bulk of your audience lives and nurture nurture them like crazy. That's my number one tip as far as putting yourself out there. Um, And when you do that too, you probably will get more of a response because you are exactly hitting the folks that you're supposed to hit. So then it also makes you feel more confident about giving them more. So you've launched a a campaign called Black Women Entrepreneurs of America with the aim of elevating other Black women-owned businesses. Please tell us about this because this is this is like one of my favorite things. Yeah. So, you know, being in year six of my business, I always want to be of service. Always. And uh, my mom always used to say, you can't save everyone. And I'm not trying to, but if I could help as many people as I possibly can, I would love to. And so... At the top of this year, when I was chatting with my team and letting them know, hey, we're on the other side of that five-year mark. When they say when you make it five years, you're doing something right. And so looking at year six to year 10 now, it's challenging me to really embark on some of the ideas that I've always had, or at least not pushing them off. Like, do what you can, right? Um, And so we came up with the Black Women Entrepreneurs of America campaign because One, I'm a Black woman entrepreneur. Um, Two, I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. It's a lot of work. 
<laughs> um, it, it is a lot of work. Um, and as a black woman, like I said, at the beginning of the conversation, I feel like there are just experiences that are particular to us than to our counterparts. And so if I could be in someone's corner and just plant a seed in their mind, that's like, oh, I got acknowledged. I'm, I must be doing something right. That's what I want to do, you know? And so, you know, our goal is to highlight a black woman entrepreneur from every state um, in the country and basically highlight them either with an interview on the Brand Unveil podcast, giving them a pro bono consultation, highlighting them on social media. And then we're also highlighting folks on social media um, separately. So yeah, it's a commitment that I know is totally possible. Um, and it's a small like drop in the pond as far as, you know, the impact that I want to have and I want my company to have, because what fun is it if, you know, I'm doing brand growth strategy and I'm helping all these business owners, but there's a certain, uh, I guess, cap if I'm only helping the folks that know about me or that are coming to me, why not go to them? You know, you never know what that can do for someone. So yeah, I, I'm really proud of my team and I for coming up with that campaign. And, um, you know, for a small but mighty team, it may not seem like a big thing, but I can't wait till the end of the year when we reach our number of highlighting 50. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you'll be working on with the 10 brands that receive a pro bono brand analysis and strategy consultation from you is how to quote, operate from their zone of genius. What do you mean by that? And how can figuring that out help entrepreneurs achieve brand growth? Yeah. So listen, Again, how much time do we have? <laughs> so operating in your zone of genius, everyone has their sort of preferred method of working or things that they like to work on, right? I feel like I'm not a traditional creator in the sense that I'm still strategic and traditional creators, they just want to create. Like the business mind, the strategy, it's very rare that they'll have both. Um, but my level of creativity comes from strategizing and thinking big and, um, coming up with the plan. So that's my zone of genius. I, my zone of genius is no longer like the implementation of the plan. And I realized that I realized that maybe a year or two ago, but I also have a team to help with the fulfillment. Right. So I think everyone has a very similar journey to me in the sense that you know what you enjoy doing. You know what you don't particularly care for. You know you can do it, but it's it's not it's not where you get your creative creative juices from anymore. Um, and knowing your zone of genius will also allow you to trust others to help you. It'll also allow you to be able to delegate. It'll also allow you to not hold on to things on your to do list and stifle your progression. And instead, go find a solution to check that thing off. Because sometimes done is better than perfect. Actually, most times <laughs> done is better than perfect. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly advocate for operating in your zone of genius. Even if you're going out there and finding like a traditional nine to five or your entrepreneur gig is like your side hustle and you're trying to, you know, maneuver the the corporate world, like you can still find your zone of genius in those spaces, too. So that way you don't feel so burnt out by, oh, like, I don't really want to do this. I just want to do like my 
creative, you know, entrepreneur thing. Um, but it is a skill. It comes with time. Um, cause I'm very type A. And so anything that I touch, I always want to do like a really, really good job at it. And that was a lot of what I did when I first started. But then as the years go on, it's like, yeah, I am really good at that thing. I know I can always go back to doing those things, but I'd rather be over here. So how do I make both of them happen? Because both of them are necessary (laughs) in order for there to be overall progress. Yeah, I love that. It was one of the gifts that the pandemic gave to me because for the Mm. first time with like an absolutely clear schedule and like no one else deciding how you worked or when you worked, I was able to learn those things, like those things that energize you, those things that you want to avoid doing, like you Mm -hmm. start to learn yourself and um, you have so much more of a flow when you're operating from your Mm -hmm. uh, zone of genius. Yeah. And you attract, like you attract the opportunities that are meant for you when you operate in that space. It sounds mystical, but I'm telling you, it's true. I've seen it happen time and time again, not only for myself, but for my peers and my clients. Yeah. In addition to being a Black woman entrepreneur, you're also a millennial entrepreneur. Um, The Small Business Administration recently named you Connecticut's Young Entrepreneur of the Year. So congrats on that. Thank you. What's the hardest part for you about being a young entrepreneur? First of all, I love this question. I almost feel like Kiki Palmer answering it. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> actually, I do know why, because Kiki Palmer, we love her, right? Um, she always refers to being a millennial. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about just like embracing what makes you you and attracting opportunities in that way. I went back and forth probably year one to year three or four of being really vocal about where that millennial title fits. Because, you know, we kind of have a stigma depending on who you talk to. Um, But for me, that's what makes me fresh. That's what makes me unique because I come from a generation that has seen sort of the residual impacts of the generation before us and also understands the generation that's coming after us, like what they're experiencing, what their perspective is. Um, so yeah, being a young entrepreneur, I've had challenges where I've kind of felt or interacted with folks who I can tell they know I'm young. So, you know, they kind of give you the runaround or whatever the case may be. Um, and early on I had to realize that I need to be more assertive in certain, you know, circumstances, which is a whole nother conversation about finding the balance there. Um, but yeah, I, I love it, honestly. Um, you know, I, I hear the the talk tracks about us millennials. Oh, we don't want to do anything or, oh, you know, <laughs> we don't have this or we don't have that. For me, I think we're great. I love it. You know, I think everyone is put on this earth for a reason. And the fact that I was born in the generation that I was born in, although I totally think that when my parents were around, like when they were my age, I would have loved to be around at that time. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, everyone's born for a reason. Everyone's born for a reason. And at the time that they're meant to be, and you know, I'm sure that the legacy that I'm building as a millennial will be purposeful and will inspire folks who come up after me. And, you know, for some brands that don't particularly care or have a particular perception about working with younger uh, 
you know, business owners, cool. Then maybe we're just not for you. And that's just something that I've accepted and I'm not going to fit a square into a triangle if it doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Well, speaking of inspiration, I'm going to give you the last word here with, you know, whatever advice, encouragement you want to share for other women entrepreneurs or other young entrepreneurs who are out there trying to scale their businesses. Yeah. Keep going. I know that's advice that you have heard time and time again, I'm sure, but truly it is the mantra that I encourage you to keep in your mind. Keep going, not only in the sense of what it is that you're doing as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, there's a reason why you started, right? So keep going as far as honing in on your why and having that be what grounds you. Keep going in accepting every version of yourself as you grow with your business, because that is what's happening, okay? Don't let anyone tell you any different. In the space of entrepreneurship, uh, business is personal because you're so involved in it. And I'm not saying don't have professionalism or, you know, I'm not saying that, but um, embrace that you're not going to be the same person that you are today from when you first started. And that's okay. Um, Keep going in the sense that whatever you need, as far as your support system goes, build it nurture it. Like you're going to lean on them. Um, and you're going to need to lean on them. Let me say that. Uh, because for me, it took me until 2020 to even lean on mine. And by then I already had been in my entrepreneur journey for three years. So lean on your support system. It is important and keep going as far as giving yourself grace. It's needed. You know, um, at the end of the day, you're not, you know, doing insane things like, you know, saving babies or conducting surgery every day, you know, as an entrepreneur. And so uh, being mindful of that, go to sleep knowing that you tried your absolute best and there's tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Brianna, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, brvisionaryconsulting.com. And especially if you are a black woman entrepreneur who is interested in applying to be featured by them, um, that is where you do it. Brvisionaryconsulting.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at brvisionaryconsulting. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from black enterprise editors, writers, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. I'm Elisa Gums with Black Enterprise for Sisters Inc. Thank you for listening.